What a picture. And yet, kind of the smorgasbord of the society we live in, isn't it? We come here Sunday morning, and sure, we have different perspectives. But basically, we're here because we believe in Jesus, believe in Jesus Christ. And if you happen to be a member of the church or had a child christened or baptized, you are asked the question, who's your Lord and Savior? And our testimony is, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Do you want to be his disciples? Yes. Those are who we are. Those words define who we are in many ways. But once we step out the door, it's a different world that we live in. This particular series of sermons is about what we believe about things that divide us. And two weeks ago, uh, Drew was talking about Christians coming together, being united together in terms of our witness uh, for God, for Jesus Christ in our community. Last week he was talking about things that um, make a difference, that divide us as far as who are really fellow Christians or not, who are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And he used uh, the book of, used 1 John to give us a picture of how we might discern who uh, our fellow Christians are. Now, my challenge is to share with you this morning about how we relate to people that are not Christians, non-Christians. And you know, if you start thinking about that, we have a lot of contacts with people who are not Christians, and how should we relate to them? I was talking with one of my friends the other night, and he works at Procter & Gamble. And he said that in his group that he works in, that perhaps he's the only Christian there. There are uh, Confucius, people who believe in Confucius. There are uh, atheists and agnostics. There are Muslims. There is just a diverse group of people. And I dare say you may have on your street someone that has a totally different background as far as their faith is concerned, in school or wherever you may go. My life has been one which has been geared toward that. Lived for years in Africa, Sierra Leone, where most of the people were either Muslim or animist, except for Christians. Lived in Egypt, where the majority of people were Muslim. And so we've been in areas where we had to deal with this. But the point is, I think, that we need to realize that there are non-Christians in our communities. And does the way that we treat them kind of drive them away from the love of Jesus Christ that we profess as Christians? That's important to us. It's important for me to know how much God loves me. That God loves me so much that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And a desire of my heart is that others would know and be able to share in an understanding of that love. But how do I share that with others? How do I get that message across? And that's really what I'd like to share and work with this morning as we talk. There's a basic principle that I want to start with, and that is this, that uh, we are created... All people are created 
in the image of God. For instance, the passage in Genesis that is on the screen. Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Look in the mirror. (laughs) When I look in the mirror, it's kind of scary to think that I'm created in the image of God. (laughs) But there's a thought that all of us, all humankind, was created in the image of God. God loves every single one of us. God is concerned about every single one of us. And so he reaches out in love. And you know, that was one of the things I had to struggle with when I went to other parts of the world. I have to struggle when I go down the street and see a homeless person who may be reaching out, begging. I have to struggle when I see someone with other difficulties and problems to realize this person is created in the image of God just as much as I did. That Jesus Christ died on the cross for that person as much as he died for me. And the basic thought to start with, we're created in the image of God. And we need to be aware of that when we think of our relationships. Somehow, some way, we are similar to what God is. Through physical or spiritual traits, that we are like God in the sense that we can exercise relationships. We're capable of relationships with one another that are above what other animals, other creatures are possible or capable of. And God has given us the power to be in dominion over the earth and over other things. So God created all of us with those gifts, those capabilities that are beyond what other creatures. So to begin with, we need to remember, as humans, we're created in the image of God. And so we need to see others with the eyes of God, through the eyes of God. If I'm created in his image and my calling as a Christian is to live out that image and I need to see others with that same love, that same concern at the level, the way that Jesus did. Now, the next thought is what does God expect of us? And the scripture lesson that was read earlier is a scripture lesson that really points that out in a pretty strong, heavy way. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm just going to read the part that's highlighted. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. That thought is one that I think kind of gives a picture of God's expectation of us. I have to admit to start with that when I see uh, your enemies, love your enemies, and I don't just label everyone that is not a Christian as an enemy. (laughs) I'm uncomfortable with that word. But I think when there's a a continuum of neighbors or friends over on this side and over here, enemies, there 
the rest of the world fits in that pattern all the way along. And if we're expected to love our enemies, those extreme people way over on this side that are really a pain in the, well, frustration to us, then uh, how much more the people that fit into that continuum, how much more we should show God's love, God's care for other people. And so with this picture, we're called. We're called to take and show God's love to others. It says also another point. It says these words. Be children of your Father in heaven. In other words, love your enemies so that you can be children of your fathers in heaven. And that concept of having the DNA of God, of being his kid, so to speak. And I think every one of us as a father or parent stand back and watch our children and there's a pride and there's a desire in our hearts for them to be all that they could possibly be. And this passage suggests that the, the, we need, God calls us to be his children. And that would mean that we would be in the likeness of God, and we're back to that first point again, that God created all of us in his own image. And so the challenge to us is to be like our Father in heaven. And one of the big points of this passage is that he doesn't show any priorities He puts rain on the just and the unjust. All of these things that we enjoy so graciously are given to all people. And God cares for us. God loves us. God loves everyone. God cares enough, cared enough to send Jesus to bring eternal life to all. So with that then, the next point that I would think is what does God expect of us? And what he expects of us is unconditional love and that we would be perfect. And that last phrase of that passage, I think, is significant. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Well, let's forget that passage because I'm sure not perfect. And, you know, I know most of you here, a lot of you, Uh, I'm still looking for one of you that's absolutely perfect. (laughs) We're not perfect, are we? And yet this passage says, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, this is one of those situations where the word that's used in the Greek or in that language cannot be translated easily into what we think of it as being. The concept really is, is be perfect, be mature, be grown up. Get to be like your father in heaven. Be perfect. Be in that process. Come to the point where you're like him as much as possible. In other words, what is our model? And this affects how we relate to others. We should be relating to others like God does, like showing love to everyone, to people that are not Christians, to all people, to show his love, to show that unconditional love that only he is a perfect example of. 
an unconditional love that expects nothing in return. And we're called to show that kind of love to others. That's the calling of being perfect, even as he is perfect. Now, I like the way the message translates that last phrase. And if you read it in a word, what I'm saying is grow up. (laughs) Get to be like God. (laughs) Get to be like your father. Your kingdom subjects. Now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously toward others the way God lives towards you. And so the calling of being perfect, of being God-like, is what God's expectation is for all of us. All right. What does that mean and how is that going to lead? What it should do is lead us out of our comfort zone. It's very easy to just get into our little circuit, into our own small group, into the people that we care for, and just kind of ignore the rest of the world, so to speak. But God calls us to show his love, to be like him, to reach out to all people, whether they're Christian or non-Christian. story I like is the story of, of Peter and Cornelius. Remember, Peter was at Pentecost. God blessed him, led him. He was down in Joppa, a city along the Mediterranean coast. And there the Lord had used him. He had raised a woman from the dead, Dorcas from the dead. And he was there. The church was beginning to happen. And then one day, before lunch, while he was still hungry, he was up on the roof. And a vision appeared to him. Now what you have to realize is that Peter was a Jew of the Jews. And at that time, that was a very strict, closed, uh, an ethnic group, a religious group, with strong rulings on what they should eat and how they should relate to other people. And as he was there, and you remember the story, a sheet came down to him. And on that sheet, or whatever it was, were many animals that, according to the old Jewish law, they were not supposed to eat. And the voice said from heaven, take and eat, take and kill these animals and eat them. And Peter very piously said, no way, God. I've never touched anything quite like this. I'm not going to eat these. They went back up into heaven. And that happened two more times. And finally, Peter said, wait a minute. What are you trying to tell me, God? Huh. There isn't anything unclean, is there? And about that time, a knock came at the door. This German, this German, this Roman army officer. You have to understand, I had a lot of things pounded into my head when I was a teenager. Because I was a teenager during World War II, and I think this is a good sidebar. Because we were taught that certain people were our enemies. Like those dirty Huns. Or the Japs. And we were labeled groups of people not to touch or be near. And that's the way, that's the way Peter was. He had those things instilled in him. And here at his door was a representative from a Roman army officer and the Roman army was the occupying army of Palestine at that time. And this man had wanted to know God. He wasn't a Jew. 
But he was looking for a god. This Roman officer. And God told him there was a guy by the name of Simon, Peter, in Joppa. And so he sent some men to get him. And this was just after Peter had seen that vision coming down from heaven. According to the strictness of his religion, Peter wouldn't have invited those people across his threshold. He would have kept them on the outside. But instead, he said, y'all come in. See, I've been listening to Drew for a long time. I said, y'all come in. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) He told them to come in. And then after he heard their story, he said, I'll go with you. And he went. He went to Caesarea, a Roman fortress and port along up the coast. And, And hear these words. On Peter's arrival, Cornelius met him. And falling at his feet, he worshipped him. But Peter made him get up, saying, Stand up. I'm only a mortal. And as he talked with him, he went in and found that many had assembled. And he said to them, You yourselves know that it's unlawful for a Jew to associate with or to visit a Gentile. Now, we all are Gentiles, I think most of us at least. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone profane or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. Well, the story goes on, as many of you know. He preached. The Holy Spirit came. Those folks were baptized. Why did I bring that in? I think God calls us to reach out of our comfort zone. Peter basically was kind of breaking the rules of his religious background to show Christ God's love to Cornelius. And we may break some of the rules of our background, and we need to evaluate them in order to reach out to others and to show Christ's love in a very special way. This was a turning point in the church. Up to that time, it had been predominantly a a Jewish uh, or Jewish people church. And now, the door's being broken down and went to all nations, to all people. Again, I like the way that the um, message translates that section. Look at that. Peter fairly exploded with his good news. It's God's own truth. Nothing could be plainer. God pays no favorites. It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and are ready to do as he says, the door is open. God has called us to share his love. And to do that, we need to be aware that God can reach out to all people. And we, in turn, need to be as faithful in reaching out and reaching out to others. And that may mean getting out of our comfort zone and speaking and talking and sharing with others who need to know his love. Well, how does that relate to us? Who we are? And what's it for us? What can we learn from this? What should we remember, or what would I hope you would remember as you leave this place? Remember, to start with, that all are created in the image of God. 
And when you relate to other people, I know many of you have contacts where you can, who are not Christians. I would urge you in this way, don't be condescending. Don't be patronizing. But rather, show a warmth. Show a respect for them. Show an empathy for them of who they are. Be the presence of Christ. And also remember how much God loves all of humankind and shows no partiality. A verse that we remember as a child, learn as a child, I still think is one of the key to how much God loves. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Another verse that I think of that makes me think, realize how important this is is Romans 5, 8. But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so God loves us and loves others. And I, the challenge, I guess what I would say is make connections. Show God's love by your actions. I know of one of the best ways. Some of you are involved with international students. Some of you have reached out to friends and neighbors. Some of you have lived overseas. And I, I was talking to a friend, and he was telling about a, a long-term relationship that he's had with a, a Chinese family that he met while working overseas. And those people have come and visited him and lived in his home. They're not Christians. He has gone to be with them. But they have shown Christ's love in a very real and practical way to these people. And one of the stories he said was that, that he was with this friend when he was with some of his other friends. And they were discussing Christianity. This friend that he had had shared, a Chinese friend, was taking a position and sharing many of the same words that our friend had used in a later way. And so the message is there. Another story that I like is this. We have a part in the whole picture. And God has called us to be his presence. And you may not be the one that leads a person to know Christ, but you may well be the one that has said something or done something that causes that person to go deeper and to want to know more about Jesus. I heard this story. A young man from Saudi Arabia was in Amman, Jordan. And there was a bookstore, a Christian bookstore there. He went in and he said, I'd like to buy a Bible. And the person said to him, yes. He said, well, you know, I had a teacher in my school. He was from England. And he always had a Bible on his desk. And he said, you know, he was really a neat guy. He said, I'd like that book. And so he bought that. And I've often thought, that man, that fellow taught, 
maybe a whole year, and felt that maybe he'd wasted his time. And yet he'd planted a seed. And then it isn't just one. We have a part in showing Christ's love. God calls us in our relationship to others to show his love. We need to make connections. And we can work with others that are in common good with others and share life that people would come to know God and to know him and to know his love. Another way is there are things that are common good. One of the most recent things that I've got news of is Ted Turner, who many of you are aware of, who is probably as much a non-Christian as there is. And he's even said such things as Christianity was a, is a religion for losers. So hi, a bunch of losers. Uh, but anyway, that's his statement. But recently, he started working with some Christian churches to go against malaria and try to wipe it out in Africa. And as far as I see in that is, there is a calling where we can work side by side. And by the way we act and by the way we share, we can show Christ's love as we work with others. As I close this message and come to an end, there's one statement that I think is probably says everything. Your kingdom subjects. Remember that. You're God's kids. And you need to be like your dad. Now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. I remember my dad saying to me, you're a Chapman. Put your shoulders back and stand tall. I don't imagine any of your fathers have said that to any of you teenagers, but my dad said that to me. You're a Christian. Stand tall. Show Christ's love. Be his presence where he calls you to be. Live generously and graciously toward others the way God lives toward you. Let us pray. Oh God, thank you for your rich gifts of love to us. Your graciousness unmerited favor that we've received again and again. Oh God, may we be indeed your children. May we be godlike in our relationships to others, showing your love in a special way. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.